Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PoetCast. My name is Adriana Prena, and I'm the Enrollment Communications Manager at Whittier College. Today, we are focusing on another student support resource we have here on campus, and I'm joined today by the remarkable staff from the Office of Student Disability Services. Thank you all for joining me today. Thank you for having us. So why don't you all go ahead and introduce yourselves as well as your role within your department. My name is Mary McLeod, and I'm the Director of Student Disability Services. My name is Justin Leasing, and I am the Associate Director of Student Services. My name is Aldo Hari, and I'm the Support Specialist for the Student Disability Services. I'm Isaac, and I'm a student here at Whittier College. I'm serving as the SDS's Access Intern. Thank you so much. Um, and so you're a current student, so what year will you be graduating then? I'll be graduating um, next year, actually, in May 2023. Well, thank you all for being here. Uh, so my first question is, why is it important to have student disability services available at Whittier College or at any college campus for that matter? The existence of a disability services center is essential to ensuring equal treatment of students with disabilities while they're enrolled at their institution. This mission is pursued at Whittier College through supporting the development of self-advocacy for our registered students by promoting equal access and by ensuring our campus is compliant with the law. So now the term disability has a very specific definition within the Americans with Disabilities Act of 2008, uh, which of course, this is the driving force I understand behind everything that you all do. So that definition is a physical or mental impairment which substantially limits one or more of such person's major life activities. So what are some, so what are some examples of such impairments? Uh, great question. Um, disabilities can be apparent or non-apparent and we classify them according to four categories which are medical, psychological, learning, or temporary or short-term. And a, co a couple examples of diagnoses that fall into these categories are diabetes, learning differences, depressions, and concussions. Thank you. So I'm hearing a lot of medical terminology. So does it stand to reason that you are required to follow confidentiality regulations when it comes to documentation? Uh, yes. So we're not allowed to disclose any of the students' diagnostic information. Uh, with any staff or faculty without the written consent. So when these students do register, we only inform the faculty that um, they are registered with our department and um, they are currently receiving accommodations for their course. Um, students have to fill out what we call is a release of information. Um, if you would like us to disclose any of their diagnosis to anyone outside of the department. Got it, thank you. So can you talk a little bit more about the main laws that govern what your office does? Sure, Adri. The work we do is enforced by the Office of Civil Rights and is governed by the Americans with Disabilities Act and its amendment, as well as by Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act. The main foci of these laws are that they prohibit discrimination based on disability, that colleges must provide reasonable accommodations to students with disabilities to allow them equal access to a school's programs. 
and that accommodations cannot fundamentally alter course or program requirements. What exactly is an accommodation and what are some examples of what we offer for our students at Whittier College? That is a wonderful question. So an accommodation is a modification or an adjustment designed to give an individual with a disability um, an equal footing um, and an equal playing field to be successful in and out of the classroom. So I just wanna give some examples of what some of these accommodations are. So an, an example of a testing accommodation, it includes um, extra time on exams, typically time and a half or, um, or at times double time. An example of what in a classroom accommodations would include, just an example, right? A student with ADHD uh, may have difficulty in paying attention during class while taking notes during a classroom lecture. This is when it would be um, beneficial for a, a student to have a note taker as an accommodation that could help the student focus during the classroom lecture while um, take notes, but at times compare their notes to their note taker's notes in case that they miss on, if they miss some of the course information during the course lecture. Another example that I just use for people to get, to get a better understanding of what an accommodation is, I see um, a few of us have some glasses on, right? Does having a, a pair of eyeglasses, does it make your eyesight stronger by any means? Does it give your eye strength? Superpowers? Does it? No, my, my glasses don't give me superpowers, unfortunately. Yes, mine too. I would love it. But um, <laughs> the, the purpose of having an, an eyeglasses, it just allows you to see um, what's in front of, of you. And that's what essentially an accommodation is. It's an equal playing field inside the classroom and out. Got it. Thank you. That's a really great analogy. So how does a student register for accommodations? Okay, so to be eligible... Um, to receive accommodations, students are required to self-disclose that they have a disability and meet with a counselor in our department. In addition, students must provide us with current documentation, which speaks to their diagnosis and how it impacts them in the academic environment. That documentation, along with the meeting, will assist our, our department in determining which accommodations will ultimately provide them with equal access. So... Uh, a big question that comes up a lot that honestly, I didn't even realize there was a difference until I began working in admissions um, is that there is, there's a difference between requesting and receiving accommodations between, you know, high school and college. So, so what are those differences? What, what's the difference between requesting accommodation, requesting and receiving accommodations uh, between high school and college? So in the K-12 system, it's the school's responsibility to identify which students with disabilities would would need assistance related to accommodations. However, in college and universities, um, these students are considered as adults. So now it is their responsibility to first self-identify um, to our department by scheduling an initial welcome meeting. Um, and it's also their self-responsibility to self-advocate for themselves. In addition to, to that, the focus of accommodations in high school is to help the students succeed um, and be successful um, inside the, the classroom. The focus shifts, however, during college um, that helping students with disabilities, the focus primarily focuses on the 
on having equal access. So that's the major a distinct, distinct distinction. In high school, it's on um, success, but in colleges, how can we provide an equal access, an equal playing field for these stu students to receive uh, reasonable accommodations? Got it. So in high school, it, it's almost automatic. If you've registered, then you're 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 just gonna get it, get your accommodations every semester whenever you register for a new school year. Is that the case in college? So um, um, students um have to activate their academic accommodations at the beginning of every semester, um, because the accommodations that they are requesting for has to be based on the course components of the course. Okay. Okay. Cool. Interesting. So next question, are there ever situations where accommodations need to be met by outside sources? And can you give some examples of those instances? We can. A couple of examples that come to mind are when we've sent out course materials to a vendor to be converted into Braille for a blind student, or when we've had uh, to hire ASL interpreters or captioners for courses. This is why we deem it imperative that students who need accommodations that require additional time to prepare be in communication with us to ensure that they get their accommodations on time. How long does that usually take, for example, to um, say if a student needs a textbook converted to Braille, how, how long would that turnaround time be? So it would depend on how busy the vendor or vendors are. Mm -hmm. uh, and generally speaking, they've, we converted a math textbook for a student and that took them a couple months oh, to wow. actually convert to Braille or transcribe to Braille. Okay, good to know, actually. So now I understand there are certain services that your department is not required to provide under ADA. Uh, so can you talk about those? Uh, with your college, um, we do not provide um, students with personal assistance. Individuals with um, prescribed devices and um, items for personal use, um, used for like such as studying and individuals tutoring or um, typing assistance. Thank you. So switching gears a little bit, um, and just because we've come out of, feels like recently we've come out of the uh, the pandemic quarantine, and we're largely working um, in a hybrid model, our campuses. Um, so that way, not everybody is in the office all at the same time every day, um, just to uh, keep our distances, keep each other safe. Um, and so something I've been really interested in recently is how all of our student support staff were able to just still do what they had to do while we were all working and studying remotely while we were all at home. Uh, there was absolutely no precedent for it, obviously, uh, but we all basically said, okay, this is what we do now. And, and we just did it. So my question to you is how were you all able to work effectively during quarantine and how has that informed your work now that we're largely back on campus and feel free to answer individually too, because I'm sure um, you all have different strategies that work for you. So I created a corner space in my home, actually in my bedroom, that I dedicated to my office space. And to, to kind of feel separate from the rest of the room, I faced my desk towards my window so I could see outside. And I utilized, uh, and still do, noise-reducing headphones to help me focus throughout the day. And I'd say as a department, we also needed to stay in communication. And so we employed technology in order to do so. And uh, it helped us work continually 
with minimal difficulties. Now, we also had to figure out how are we going to transition our accommodations from being in person to being virtual. Uh, And so we strategized prior to the shift so that our students would continue to receive equal access to their courses in the online environment. And overall, I I believe that our processes and communication skills were strengthened when we had to rely on virtual means of connecting. All right. And um, I will say similar to uh, students um, and what Miriam just said, I had to find a designated workstation that like worked for, for me at, at home. Um, and I also, in the beginning of the, when the shift ha- happened, like I, um, I found what worked best for me is to dress up as if I'm going to the office, because it creates this habit as if like it's time to work. Um, so communication is also key when it comes to um, how we um, have discussions as, um, as, as a team. We typically speak regularly before the um, shift to on- online. So um, I would say that it was a very natural transition when it comes to um, communicating with the rest of the team. That's great. Yeah, um, for me, just like Miriam and Justin, I also dedicated a part of a corner in a room as a personal space for me to work. And uh, just as they said about communication, uh, we, we use Teams and we ut- utilize Zooms for our meetings. So Zoom has been really great for us and it helps strengthen our communication. And uh, for me, turning on music while working also helps me relax and finding you know, comfort in working from home. So Very cool. Thank you yeah. guys for sharing. So we haven't heard from someone here in the group, um, <laughs> here in the recording, um, and that would be Isaac of our, our student, uh, your student intern. So I'd like to hear from you regarding uh, your experience um, as a student who, is, who has registered with the department and who is now also working um, as, a, as an access intern. So, uh, well, first, can you talk about uh, your experience kind of in, in being in both scenarios? So, so far my experience is, um, I've, I've gained very valuable insight um, as to like both sides. Cause since I am someone with a disability, I know um, what the process is. Um, so as a student, I have that side. So I understand the whole process of registering with the department. And also since I work with the department now, I understand the other side and the process it takes in order to get students um, registered and have all their accommodations met. Um, and so do, do you believe that uh, your accommodations have been helpful for you to gain equal access um, at Whittier College uh, as, as a student with a disability? Yes, in terms of academics, um, the accommodations that I receive have vastly improved my access to my courses at Whittier College. Um, the accommodations that I use are actually reduced distraction setting, note taker, and priority priority registration. So all of those have helped me gain an equal footing with um, able-bodied students here at Whittier College. And then also from my experience, um, SDS works very closely with students to ensure that they're being appropriately accommodated and that students with disabilities feel as capable as they can be. Awesome, thank you. Uh, and could you please explain what your role is now as access intern and uh, what made you want to apply for the position? Yeah, so my role as an access intern is primarily an administrative role. So I mainly work 
the front desk. I help Aldo a lot. And I also help with students who are proctoring. I help monitor students take tests. Um, <clears throat> I also help train any new, any new students we hire. Um, and actually my previous position at SDS was a student proctor, which is monitoring students taking tests. So I understand that job very, very well. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, and then my, um, so that experience has helped me a lot um, gain this internship with SDS. And then of course, a few of my other responsibilities are overseeing note-taker accommodations, compiling data and paperwork, and creating an outreach presentation that focuses on educating students um, about disabilities. And the reason to why um, I chose to apply for this position was I want to work with other students who have disabilities and then I want to be able to connect with them too and then show that there are opportunities for us here at Whittier College. Um, <clears throat> and then too, I just love working with the team. It's been such a great experience so far. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. I really appreciate it. Of course. Uh, so we're just about ready to wrap up. Is there anything else anyone would like to add or talk about before we go? that we as a team are more than happy to speak to any prospective or incoming students who are interested in hearing more about our services and we're all passionate about serving our students. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you all of you, Justin, Aldo, Miriam, Isaac. Um, thank you for joining me today. I know you all have very busy schedules and I really appreciate how enthusiastic you all were to participate with me today. I appreciate that. And thank you to our audience for joining us today on the PoetCast. If you would like more information about the Office of Student Disability Services at Whittier College, or if you want to request an episode topic, feel free to email us at admission at whittier.edu. Thank you all. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on Student Disability Services at Whittier, go to www.whittier.edu disability. As mentioned in this episode, they welcome questions from prospective students and families about how your accommodations or needs could be met at our campus. For more information about becoming a future poet, visit us at www.whittier.edu admission. We are currently accepting applications for new first year and transfer students. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify so you don't miss any future episodes and to gain access to our archives with past shows about Whittier College and the college search and application processes. Thanks again for listening to the podcast.